Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Um, what the Lord laid on my heart was really to paint a big picture, kind of do some vision casting, really. Now, your pastor has been casting vision for 17 years. And he's brought other people on board with him who are people of vision. <clears throat> and so because of that, the Lord has been working here. <clears throat> um, when you have no vision in the leadership, there's not going to be vision probably in the church because those leaders pass that vision on. So <clears throat> you're going to see a graph come up in just a second here. Hey there, everyone. My name is Devin, and I serve on the worship dream team. Welcome to New Song, and thanks for joining us. There is... How many of you have ever heard of George Barna? He's done, he's done this, uh, a lot of research, including on the church. And uh, this life cycle chart has been well-researched and shown to prove true in the, in the, uh, through the years with churches. And so... Churches that are thriving and growing need to keep thriving and growing, but they don't always do so. At some point, sometimes they kind of level off, and then given enough time, they start down. So here's the good news. New song is on this side of the diagram, on the side where it's growing, 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 okay? And there's reasons why it is. Uh, when any time a church is growing, there's reasons why it is. And any time a church stops growing, there's reasons why it stops growing. So I wanted to bring this big picture to you simply to tell you to keep it up, to cheer you on. Because the Lord wants to continue working through New Song like he has been. He wants to keep doing the things he's been doing here for the next many years. Amen. <clears throat> Would he, would he actually design a church that's growing and thriving and let it do that for about 20 years and then step away and not continue to help it do that? No. So really my message this morning could be summed up in three words, keep it up, okay? You know, you're like me, even though the Lord helps Justin or whoever to preach wonderfully on Sunday, by Saturday, you're, you're trying to remember what was said. You know, well, you can remember what I'm saying this morning by three words, keep it up, okay? And so <clears throat> here's this diagram that indicates kind of the tendencies that are there in church growth with any church. Uh, this was, you know, a guy named uh, Robert Dale, I think, first put this out there for church leaders to know about. <clears throat> Others jumped in on it. So if you Google life cycle of a church diagram, you'll see several things come up. Well, I looked at all of them, and as far as the kind of things that they indicated were um, on the left side of the diagram and across the top and coming down the right side of the diagram, <clears throat> I liked what they said, but I decided to put those in my own words because I like the way I put it better. And so it really, but they're all saying the same kinds of things. 
because there's certain kinds of things that help a church grow and thrive. There's certain things that stop a church from continuing to grow and thrive. That's just common sense, right? That makes sense. That's what my message is all about this morning. It's just a little vision casting to help you stay with it so that the Lord continues working through new song. It doesn't taper off at some point. It doesn't level off at some point. That doesn't have to ever happen because Jesus never changes. He's always the same. Well, all the kinds of things he's doing these days through New Song, he wants to continue doing indefinitely. But uh, there's certain things that you have to do, not just your pastors or your staffers. There's certain things each of us have to do for it to remain that way. So on the left side of the diagram, you'll see toward the bottom here. Oh, well, first of all, I noted that uh, this vision is... Uh, that helps the church keep growing is cast by a leader and it's imparted to the other leaders who impart it to the entire congregation, the entire fellowship. Once that vision is cast and enough people buy into that vision, like no doubt many of you have, the Lord begins working and then he continues working as long as some of these things keep happening. For example, obedience in what I call the one anotherings. The New Testament is full of one another. It says blank one another. You know what the main one is that goes in the blank? Love one another. You know, when people come into a church where people truly love one another, they can tell it. They get a feeling that I think people around here really care about each other. And when Justin tells stories from up here about how people love one another, people get that. They say, well, that means I believe I'm going to be loved here. Frankly, I wouldn't want to attend a church three Sundays in a row where I didn't think I was loved. (laughs) And so uh, you've learned through following your pastor's vision and the vision of your other staffers to love one another. And you've been taught, no doubt, what that looks like, you know, in nitty-gritty practical ways. Uh, A funeral comes along, and the way to love one another then includes bringing some food to the family, to show love to them in a time of grief. Somebody is in a serious condition in the hospital. The love comes in the form of prayers uh, because you need those prayers of the church. Sarah and I have benefited from those all of our married life. So um, one another, as long as you're doing the one anothering, new song will keep growing as long as you love one another. And John 13, 34 is where we find Love one another. New commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are to love one another. That's the biggest one another. And really, if you're doing that one, you probably do the rest of these. Okay? But there are others, such as what we find in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, which says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And so, encourage one another is another one another. All right? And if you're loving one another, you want to encourage each other. Did you know you can encourage somebody here at New Song in as simple a way as before or after the service, walking up to somebody, not your best friend. They already know you want to encourage them. But somebody you don't know yet very well, maybe somebody you've never met. And a church is growing like this. There's always going to be plenty of people you've never even met. You can encourage them by just walking up to them and saying, good morning, I'm so-and-so, how are you? Just the fact that you do that might encourage them as much encouragement as they need that day. 
And uh, if they say something that indicates, well, things are not going so well, you can encourage them further by saying simply, oh, really? Well, how may I pray for you? Does it ever encourage you when someone says, how may I pray for you? And so you can encourage people in simple little ways. And this passage in Thessalonians says, encourage one another. Keep encouraging one another. In growing churches, that's happening all the time. But it tends to slow down as the church exists longer over a period of years. So keep encouraging one another. And then Mark 9.35, I'm sorry, Colossians 3.13 says, bear with, here's two more one another's, bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. Uh, there's another one another, bear with one another. I love being a part of a church. I'm part of Crossroads where people bear with me in my weaknesses. When I mess up, when I goof up, they bear with me. They don't stop loving me. And so we are to bear with one. You know what bear with means, don't you? It means put up with, okay? Are you putting up with one another when the other person's not being so sweet, you know, not being so loving to you? Uh, that's part of the one anothering is simply bearing with one another. You say, you know, sometimes people say, well, I don't know what to do about so-and-so in the church. You know, they do this or they're like that or whatever. The Bible tells you what to do with them. Bear with them. Just bear with them. And they're bearing with you in your things that need uh, patience and bearing with. So bear with one another. That's another one of them. And then um, obedience in the one anothering is what one of the things that will help cross, uh, New Song continue growing, simply continuing with the one another's. And, you know, you may be doing some of those things now, but it's easy to start letting up in those things as time passes. Okay, the next area there is obedience to serve within the body and out in the community, Okay. Serving one another is another dynamic that keeps a growing church growing, keeps a thriving church thriving. Any church that's continuing to grow, I can guarantee you the people are serving one another. And that's why your pastors, I have a feeling, keep saying, we could use some people to serve in this area. We could use some people to serve in that area. Would you please pray about it and consider serving in one of those areas? There's so many areas to serve, you can't serve in all of them. You know, there's only one thing you need to do, really, and that's say this to the Lord. Holy Spirit, show me where you want me to be serving. Here's something I want to emphasize to you. When a church is growing like this place is, for that growth to be sustained, more people have to be involved in the serving. If, if God is working in such a way that more and more people are coming, more and more people are receiving Jesus, more and more young people are coming into the youth group, kids in the kids program. The only way that growth can be sustained is if all of you are serving somewhere. Can I get an amen? The only way that growth can be sustained, the only way you can continue benefiting in all those wonderful ways that you benefit from a growing, thriving church is if 
everybody finds the place that the Lord is telling them, that the Holy Spirit is prompting them to serve. Then that growth continues to happen. But what happens over a period of years, it may take 5, 10, 15, 20 years, fewer and fewer people serve in the place that the Holy Spirit's telling them to serve in, and you can't sustain the growth. Now, the whole message is worth it for you just to get that one point this morning. So find out, just pray a simple prayer over and over again until the Lord answers it. Lord, where do you want me to be serving around here? And he'll, he'll point you to something that will be very meaningful to you if you give yourself to it. First, it may feel awkward or something because you've never served in that way. But he'll point you to something that will be very fulfilling to you as well. as be helpful to the whole church. So obedience to serve one another in this congregation, in this church, is another thing that helps New Song continue growing, okay? But also serving one another out in the community. Did I touch on Galatians 5 already? Uh, Mark 9.35 says, Jesus speaking, and he sat down and called the 12 to him, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of who? All. As followers of Jesus, we are to, like Jesus, be willing to serve all people, any people. Many people, the only way they know you love them is if you serve them in some way. And you could use another word for the word uh, serve, and that's simply help. Simply help them. Simply help one another. And so we not only are to be serving one another in New Song, we're to be serving people out in Plymouth, out in Marshall County. And I know Pastor Justin and the other leaders have you doing that in different ways. <clears throat> when those opportunities come along, pray a simple prayer, Lord, how do you want me to participate in this outreach serving in the community? Just find out how he wants you to. And he will let you know that if you're sincere about asking him. So obedience to serve one another in the church outside the church is another dynamic that, keep, that will keep New Song growing for many, many years to come. A lack of serving, if fewer and fewer people begin serving, the growing will stop. The thriving will stop. It'll start tapering off. The last area there of obedience that helps a church continue growing is to um, serve, is to make disciples. I imagine Justin has said something about making disciples. Uh, the Lord gives his mission to the church in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus said, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, of all members of Marshall County, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In those few words, Jesus gave to New Song and every other church its mission. We are to make disciples. So in growing churches, disciples are being made. That simply means people are being taught how to follow Jesus and how to become more devoted disciples, how to grow in Jesus. That's done in small groups. That's done in uh, one person meeting with two or three other people. That's done in different ways, but one of the best ways it's done is one-on-one. -on -one. And this is an area I've been growing in a great deal in my life, my walk with Jesus in the last five years. I've always tried to be discipling someone, trying to help someone 
know Jesus, trying to help someone grow in Jesus. But I've been hit and miss with it all through the years. I would do it for a while, and then I'd forget all about it for a few years. In the last few years, I have been uh, convicted by the Holy Spirit to make sure I'm discipling someone in some way. Here's a simple way you can find out how the Lord might have you discipling. He might have you do it by participating in certain groups in the church. But here's a simple way you can find out how he may want you to disciple somebody one-on-one. First of all, it's not that you have to be way ahead of them and know all the answers and know your Bible as well as Justin does. That's not it at all. It's that you simply need to help them grow a little bit from where they are. And here's a simple way you can find out who that is. Start praying this prayer. Lord, who do you want me to disciple one-on-one? Pray that when you're standing out in the lobby here. The last time the Lord answered that prayer for me, I was, I was actually not in the lobby. I'd stepped just out into the parking lot, and I looked over at this guy, and all of a sudden it became crystal clear to me, Paul, you are to be discipling him. Boy, it was clear. I knew that's what I was supposed to be doing. I started meeting with him, started going through scriptures, started praying, started trying to answer his questions the best I could, and he is going hard after Jesus today. And he's starting to disciple people. So, but that was a result of me becoming much more intentional about praying that simple prayer, Lord, who do you want me to disciple one-on-one? Or in a small group of guys, a small group of gals. So that's a good way to find out how to obey him in making disciples. Now, the top of the diagram. You notice it says up there, settling is one of the things that happens when a church grows, 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 and then in a very subtle way, this shift happens and it starts leveling off. And part of what the leveling off process consists of is people start getting comfortable and they say, I found a good church, I found a new song, I like it here, it's just comfortable, and they start just deciding unconsciously to enjoy all the benefits of their wonderful church, but not doing these things below on the left side of the the graph that made it the kind of church that they're enjoying the benefits of. Does that make sense? This is really just a common sense thing, but it happens subtly. How many of you know the analogy of the frog in the boiling pot of water? That's good. I don't know if anybody in the first service knew it, but you know what's happening there. The frog's been in the water and the water gets turned up so slow that he gets accustomed to the heat and he doesn't know he's boiling to death until the bubbles are popping up. And so it's kind of the way, it, that's kind of the way this happens across the top of the diagram there. People stop obeying God and serving one another <clears throat> in the one anotherings and then trying to help somebody come to Jesus and grow in Jesus Enough people stop doing those things that it starts to level off and people just settle. Sarah and I, my wife Sarah and I, have a little motto in our marriage and and this is it, don't settle. She has told me many times in our 46 years of marriage, Paul, we mustn't settle. I've told her many times, Sarah, we mustn't settle. Meaning we mustn't settle for less than what God has for us. We mustn't settle less than for less than what he wants to give us or for less than what he wants to do through us. And so we've admonished one another all through the 46 years. Must not, we can't settle. If one of us starts slacking, the other one pulls it out. Hey, we can't settle. 
for less than what God has for us. Churches tend at, after a certain number of years to settle. They want to enjoy the benefits of the fact that the church has been growing, but not continuing doing things that make it grow. It says also up there across the top of the diagram about prayerlessness. That's another dynamic that kicks in somewhere along the line. People stop praying. Now, here's what I like to tell people about praying. It's one of my passions to preach and write and teach about it because prayer is key to everything. And um, people either are praying or they're not praying. Here's what happens to people often, and I find this when I start addressing prayer. Almost instantly, they start saying, well, Paul, when should I pray? How much should I pray? And I always say this, forget about when, forget about how much, just pray. Just pray. I started out many years ago praying at different times, different amounts. It was five minutes to day. Later in the week, it was 30 minutes. And uh, then years into it, it became more than 30 minutes. Yes, I grew into that. Now I've done that so long. If I pray less than a pretty good chunk, I feel like I haven't prayed enough. But it took me, folks, it took me years to grow into that. So never mind how much. Or when, just find, as far as when, just find a time that's good for you. Never mind if that works for anybody else. And, and just take a few minutes and thank him and praise him. Ask, give him your requests and listen to him for a few minutes. Read scripture and you have prayed. You've been alone with the Lord. You can also pray throughout the day spontaneously, of course. I pray while I'm driving. I try to limit that because I don't drive real well. I, I drive... I do great driving when Sarah's not with me. Not so well when she's with me. I'm letting that sink in so you get it, you know, okay. When she's with me, it's Paul, what, be careful, oh, honey, Paul. And when I'm, she's not with me, none of that's going on. I'm doing just fine, you know. So yeah, I drive. I pray while I'm driving. Uh, I pray <clears throat> when I'm walking through Walmart. Guess who I pray for? other people walking through Walmart because I want every one of them to know how wonderful Jesus is, how exciting it is to follow him and that they can have peace and joy. I've had a deep peace in my heart since 1969. Deep peace. It's never left. I've had struggles, trials, heartaches, but the peace has always been there. And I've had joy, not all the time, but many times. Either a quiet joy, a quiet, subtle joy, occasionally a joy that causes me to jump up and down literally. Sarah always tries to get her phone out real quick and film me if I'm jumping up and down. I'm so excited because of what Jesus is doing in me or maybe some in someone else that I've heard about. So that's another thing that happens when growing churches begin to level off is people have stopped praying. When, how, never mind. Just Here's a simple question. Are you praying? That's the only question. Make sure that you're praying. And the Lord will continue working through new song. It will continue to be a thriving church. One other thing up there at the top of the chart, very top, it says, and the quote, one degree compromise. Okay, a friend of mine named Steve Ritchie, he's an art, he's a uh, engineer, and he gave this to us at my church in Indianapolis. 
And he got up in front of the church and explained to everybody from his engineering uh, perspective this principle. Say that door back there is 86 feet away. We're going to pretend it's 86 feet away from me. I have no idea how far that is. One of the doors is closed. The other one's open. And I want to walk through that door. So, of course, I start walking straight for that door. But guess what? If I get off one degree right here, I get off just one degree and I don't correct, by the time I get to the door, I'll run into the wall. I won't go through the door. Now, I'm not applying that to salvation. Never mind that. I'm just saying that the one degree off represents when we compromise. I know I should do that, but I don't want to. I know I shouldn't say that, but I'm going to say it anyway. We all do that, new songers. I call you new songers. Justin calls you new singers. He and I argued about that. I never could convince him to call you new songers. He never could convince me to call you new singers. So I call you new songers. New songers, we know that we all compromise in different ways. We all say things we shouldn't say sometime or another. We all do things we shouldn't do sometime or another. Here's the wonderful thing. We can quickly correct that. In a prayer that lasts about this long, oh, Jesus, forgive me. Boom. It's taken. It's corrected. I'm now going to walk through the door as I get there, okay? But here's what happens in churches that stop growing. Compromise, no correction. Another compromise, no correction. Another compromise, no correction. Do you see what I'm saying? It makes perfect sense logically. It makes perfect sense spiritually. So when enough people start compromising, especially regarding these things of the one anotherings and the serving and uh, trying to win somebody to Jesus, it may take you a long time. My wife and I spent 46 years winning her sister to Jesus. 46 years. In the last three weeks of her life, she embraced Jesus. How sacred is that? It took 46 years, friends. And she wouldn't let us talk to her about Jesus. She made clear not one word of that to me. So we just had to live it in front of her and pray and pray and love and love unconditionally. And then in the last few weeks of her life, she talked to me and told me where she stood with all of that. And the Lord helped me to answer her uh, skeptical questions and doubts. And that set a platform for her when she was paralyzed from the neck down, no longer had any control over her life. That set the stage for her to turn to Jesus. For, took 46 years for that to happen. So as we continue obeying, 46 years to make that disciple. As we continue obeying in the one anotherings, in the serving and they're making disciples, and don't settle, and don't stop praying, and we correct whenever there is a compromise of some kind. This church, New Songers, will never stop growing. You, you, I guess you'll run out of services. You can't do four or five or six, so you have to start a branch over there somewhere, and the Lord will just keep working on and on and on. I doubt very seriously that new song will get up here to the top of the leveling off place in the next five years. I doubt it. 
I doubt that my church, Crossroads, will get there in the next five years. But I want you to understand it's possible to get there in the next 20 years. If we don't keep correcting, enough of us don't keep correcting our compromises through that simple prayer of repentance and getting back into obedience, in 20 years, that could happen to any church. So I want your takeaway from my preaching on this vision to say, okay, Paul, that can happen to any church, but as far as new song, not on my watch, okay? Not as long as I'm a part of it. And so I'm trying to cast vision for you to hang in there for the next 20 years. And you say, well, I may not be here in 20 years. You may not, but your kids will and your grandkids will and your neighbor who is half your age will. Don't you want them to have a thriving church that you've had all this time? So keep it up. Don't settle. Now, I'll briefly go down the um, bottom part of the right side there. says self-focused. What happens after church has settled for long enough, <clears throat> all of this is organic. It happens slowly, a lot of it imperceptibly. But when a church settles for long enough, is prayerless for long enough, people become more and more self-focused. Uh, Philippians 2, 4 says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Amen. A lot of that's going on in this place right now. You're not just concerned about your interests. You're concerned about other people's interests around you. You're concerned about people out in the community, about their interests. What bothers them, you want to uh, be helpful with. And you're concerned about what concerns them. But when a church gets down to this place in this cycle, people become more and more self-focused. It's more and more just about me. More and more just about me. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says... And he died for all that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That's a lot of what following Jesus is about. It's about forgetting about me. What a relief it is to forget about Paul Spasik. And I don't have to remember about him. My wife thinks about him all the time. You think about him. I can just forget about him and stay focused on others. And uh, that's really one of the biggest differences between a thriving church and a dying church. In a thriving church, people are focused on others. In a dying church, they become just focused on themselves. Doesn't that make sense? And so the last stage in the dying part of the cycle, dying church part of it, is infighting. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3 says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ... I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you're not ready for solid food. And even now you're not ready. You're still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? He was having to address the Corinthian church as the fact you're, you're, you're in strife, you're in uh, conflict with one another, and uh, this infighting had begun in that church, and he had to address it. It threatened to kill the Corinthian church, and so he was addressing it. Galatians 5.15 says, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Eventually, in a church like that, that is to that, in that, come to that point of the dying process, people are just 
devouring one another with their words, tearing each other down. Um, I never thought I'd see it, but it happened in a church where I used to be on staff. Ten years after I left there, they asked me to come back to be the interim pastor for six months. And I was grief-stricken to see that people that had loved one another for 20 years had come to the point where they practically hated each other. I wouldn't have believed it had I not seen it. And so, but now it was hastened because of certain other problems, not just people stopping the one anothering and so forth. Uh, The process was sped up for certain other reasons, but I could hardly comprehend it. Uh, There was factions within the church and they all tried to get me to be on their side against the other factions. It was a sad, sad situation. So that's what happens down at the bottom of that end of the cycle. Uh, That doesn't describe new song, but I want to encourage you to keep doing the one anotherings, keep obeying God to do the one anotherings, keep obeying God to serve, want to help one another out and to help people out in the community and keep obeying God to make disciples in your groups, in your small groups, in different ministry venues, one-on-two-or-three, one-on-one. Some of the best disciple-making happens one-on-one. And you don't have to be miles ahead of him in your spiritual life to help them become a more mature disciple. And as long as you correct the compromise, the one-degree compromise principle, as long as you're mindful of that, this place will continue growing. It will continue thriving. Tragically, five to 10,000 churches a year in America close their doors. Did you know that? How many of you knew that? Maybe nobody. That's based on research also. Things got so bad at the very bottom. Oh, well, that's all right. Things got so bad at the very bottom of that cycle that they just said, there's no life here anymore. Just close the door. And really, once it gets to that point, they may as well close the doors. Because nobody wants to become a part of a dead church. I've had the... uh, Sad experience of walking into churches. You could tell it was just about there. Sarah and I didn't want to go back. Now that's the ways out there. But you know why it's a long ways out there? Because you're trying to obey God in these ways. Please keep doing that. Please keep obeying the Lord. Wrap up with this scripture. I forgot to read it in service one. Therefore, my beloved brothers, this is not on the screen, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Amen? Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in these things on the left side of the diagram there. And this church will keep uh, growing, keep thriving, keep impacting countless lives for as long as possible. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for... What you are doing at New Song Church, Lord, you're what makes this place so special. And I thank you for all the one anothering that's going on here. I thank you for the serving that's going on here. Help people to find out where you're telling them to serve so that this growth can be sustained and not be stymied because not enough people are helping out somewhere. Lord, thank you for people that are trying to win somebody to Jesus or help them grow in Jesus or learning to do that as I've been learning to do it much more in the last five years or so. Thank you, Lord, for all of that. 
But Lord, I pray you'd help people to stay with it. Help people to correct every time they've compromised through that quick prayer of repentance and pray that prayer of repentance as often as is necessary. Not be discouraged. Ignore the enemy when he says, you can't live this. You're too inconsistent. Lord, you never talk to us like that. You just say, repent and start in again. So Lord, I thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to be doing 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now because of people taking this message to heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Look there, it says 1030. Bing. I finished right on the nose. You are dismissed. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.